Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is an encore edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lagnette. That's Creole for something extra. In 1949, a small organization formed in Boston. Ten fatherless boys were paired with adult volunteers to help them navigate their lives. More than 70 years later, Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts now serves young boys and girls and has connected more than 3,600 children each year with adult mentors. The pandemic put much of those social interactions on pause, so there is an even greater need for adult mentors, the volunteers who offer fun and friendship to the young mentees. This National Mentoring Month, Big Brothers Big Sisters shared successful mentoring stories with us earlier this year in its drive to recruit more adult mentors. Earlier this year, I spoke with Mark O'Donnell, the president and CEO of Big Sisters Big Brothers of Eastern Massachusetts. Karen Rodriguez is a big sister, a volunteer mentor for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts. And Rosella Moreta is Karen's 10-year-old little sister. I'm so glad to have all of you with me for this great conversation. Let me start off by saying I'm biased. I think mentoring is extremely important and um, so useful uh, in all of our lives, um, whether we're old or young, but certainly for young people, it really is important. Mark, tell me about um, how you came to be connected with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts. That's a long story. It might take up the whole show, but I, no, I, we're not doing that. <laughs> I was I was actually working as an associate dean at Northeast University when I got the call uh, a while back about this organization. And I happened to grow up in uh, Queens, New York. Uh, you know, five people in a two-bedroom apartment, and uh, it was the mentors and the village around me uh, that kind of got me to where I am today. And I think that. Just so happened if we didn't have that, my brothers and I probably would not have gotten out of the city and thrived the way we have. So the mission spoke to me in a lot of ways. So when uh, uh, when I got the call, it just felt like the right move for me personally. Mm. So you really know the experience of being on both ends, actually, mentee and mentor. Absolutely. Uh, I, in, you know, in a lot of cases, in most cases, it's it's a single parent household or guardian, a grandparent that's that's raising a, a child. And I look back at my situation and I say, if I had loving parents that stayed together and if one of those parents wasn't there, my life is completely different right now. Mm. So I know there's a focus on what we call at-risk youth. First, tell me, what does that mean? And um, specifically, why is it... Um, particularly valuable for uh, this cohort of young people to have the kind of experience you had? Well, I like to say that who's at risk is probably all of us, because if we if we don't allow all these kids to thrive, we're going to all be in trouble in the future. So so these kids all are born 
almost equally with talent and potential. And as they get older, it is it is the resources and the access to the opportunities around them that is not equal. And so it's not at all that the kids are at risk. It's the community around them is not built to support them. And so to me, what we do here is we partner with the families to kind of build that scaffolding so that we, you know, we, we, uh, we level the playing field. So these kids have all the opportunity to match their talent. Mm -hmm. Okay, Karen, I'm switching over to you because I think when people hear the word mentor, if you're uh, an adult, you're probably thinking about it in terms of business or in your office. And um, it may not register about how you might mentor a young piece, a young person, um, a young, young person like Rosella, who is 10 years old. Uh, so talk about first how you became involved and then um, what do you and Rosella do together? Um, so I came, I became involved um, at the beginning of like my career. <laughs> um, so it was about three years ago. Um, and we had learned about it through my work. And my friend and I were like, yeah, let's do it. I didn't really know anything about it. All we knew is that it involved helping children. And that's part of what I do on a daily living on a daily basis. Um, and so this was an opportunity to not make it seem like it was work right? yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. it was more fun and just having a good time and um spending time together um so that's kind of what drove me into doing it and that's how I met Rosella and then once we started um seeing each other after our first meeting it just it was like it clicked like yeah. right <laughs> yeah. um we the organization did a really good job in matching our interests um so it's never a difficult time to figure out what we like and what we want to spend or do um it's almost like she's a mini me sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um so it's it's been really fun we do uh a lot of things together like um I don't know we did a whole, we made a list at the beginning and of the things that we wanted to do in Boston and slowly but surely we've checked it off and I think we're in our like last one or two things maybe yeah, yeah. well Rosella tell me tell me about it um you were seven when you guys got together um how what did you think about uh, Karen when you first met her uh when I thought about Karen I didn't really know what was happening so I was just sitting next to my mom like on her shoulder <laughs> Um, and how did you, how do you, uh, when you think back about those first meetings, when did you feel really comfortable with Karen? Mm, when we first started hanging out. Mm -hmm. And what were you guys doing? Went to trampoline park. Yeah, we went to trampoline park and had fun. Mm -hmm. What, how do you like it? I mean, what do you, what do you get out of it? I think um, a lot of people want to know um, what kids like you enjoy about being a part of Big Brothers, Big Sisters and being a little, um, because in the organization, Karen's called a big and you're a little. So what, what do you think about <laughs> being a little? <laughs> I get to learn new places around me, stuff that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. It's really fun to know a bunch of new places that I never knew about. And is it fun to talk to somebody who's not really in your family, but probably kind of like a family person now? Yeah, it's really fun. What's fun about it? Tell me. What's fun about it is... What's fun about it is when we do funny things and talk <laughs> about funny things. That's what I like about it. 
Okay. Um, Mark, these kinds of connections are vital, as we've said, uh, as Karen has said, as Rosella has said, as you have said. Um, but when the pandemic hit, boy, there you just were a lot of the, the the social interaction that was built in by the organization was either cut off or paused. Uh, tell me about what impact that had on the big brothers, big sisters mentoring. Yeah, it, it was it was scary, but we, we went to, to action right away and we were making about 1,400 new matches every year prior to the pandemic. And right when the pandemic hit, we, we didn't focus on the new matches anymore because we knew how hard it was going to be because everyone was on lockdown and it was really hard to recruit a big or go out and see a little. And so we focused on the, uh, you know, the 3,500, 3,600 uh, matches we had at that moment. And we said, if these kids are going to lose their friends, their schools, their camps, their after school programs, their clubs, they're not going to lose their bigs. And so we went and we turned all matches virtual. We made sure everyone had the setup, the technology, anything they needed. But the one focus for years was that kid is not going to be isolated completely and they're not going to lose their big. And I commend not only our staff, but our, our bigs who said, we're not going to, you know, we're going to double down and we're going to spend more time on zoom and text and anything that these kids need, but we're not going to abandon them during this time. Wow. That's, that was a, a big commitment. Yeah, it was, but everyone came through really well. Now I personally know people who have been a part of the organization and wow, they meet uh, young people when they are really young, and then they end up being um, mentors with them, I guess if you could still call them mentors, as an adult. I mean, a good friend of mine, now her little, has children of her own (laughs) at this point. Uh, Those relationships are quite something. Talk about um, that bond that's created, Mark, um, when uh, big and littles uh, really connect. I frame that usually because it also could be daunting and scary if someone's thinking about being a big to think it's a lifelong commitment. Sometimes uh, a big is needed in someone's life because there was a traumatic experience or because there's just someone needed. And maybe a a relationship is really strong. But like think about all the people we've had in our lives for, for two or three or four years. So there's a lot of data that shows even one year has a huge impact. However, it does evolve. It's a real relationship. It, it is not something that is made up or, 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 or scripted. So these relationships take on the life of their own. And over time, we realize this is going to be a lifelong journey. And we've seen how many bigs and littles or how many littles are in bigs, weddings and vice versa, how many become part of the family. So up front, I always say that's not the commitment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not signing up for 40 or 50 years. But a lot of times uh, that relationship, like Rosella and Karen, it, it, it's not going to end because it's real and, and there's real love. Mm. Now, as we've said, you have almost 4,000 kids that you're um, matching every year. I want to give my listeners a chance to hear from a couple of other um, bigs uh, who work with littles uh, in uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts. So here's Drew, and he took his mentee, his mentee Azir on an outing to the New England Aquarium. We started out looking at some of the sea otters, some of the penguins, and you know, we just got to really learn. A lot of walking involved. You know, they had this really big aquarium in the uh, middle of the museum. Here's here's a whale. Azir was freaking out. This was funny when he found out that this is a real whale. He loved it. He loved it. 
I love the joy in uh, Drew's voice, uh, watching the excitement of Azir um, as they enjoyed their outing. Now, here's Lisa and Michaela. They were connected more than seven years ago, and their relationship only continues to grow. Um, first, you'll hear from Lisa and then Michaela. She's family to me. You know, this is way beyond a volunteer experience. This is not a volunteer thing anymore. It hasn't been. It's, this is a relationship. I definitely have a big uh, appreciation for Big Sister just because, like I said before, I didn't have a mother figure, so obviously having someone there for me when I needed it. So we've heard um, all of you say, and then some of, of the, the folks on um, in those uh, pieces talk about being kind of like family, but the parents often are very important, are involved in the matches made by the mentees and mentors. Um, I'm interested, Karen, in how did you um, connect with Rosella's mother? I think it was also um, easy. <laughs> I mean, I think it was, in, that's where the cultural piece comes in, right? And like the, the language piece comes in. Um, I speak Spanish, it was my first language. So it just kind of automatically happened and we connected in that way where she felt at ease to communicate with me. Um, and it's always been easy connecting with her, um, whether through text or phone call, she always tells me what's going on. Um, so there's just that automatic like trust that is created just because we speak the same language, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that it, that, uh, and the, by that, it's just the the culture too. It's it's there. It's that automatic bond that mm -hmm. like okay, yeah, I know this is difficult or whatever it is going on, and um, it she feels that trust that it, and that that she can be honest with me and, and let me know, and I can do the same about Rosella and how we can. It's almost like we're almost like a team almost, and because mm. I know she has, she she has three kids. Rosella is the middle one, but. Um, she has a lot going on. So it's just a matter of how can we each uh, support and how can I support Rosella? Because that's 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 my main focus. Did you have a sense that she had something specific she wanted to have happen um, with you and Rosella in this mentor relationship or she was just open to whatever you two could 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 make happen? I think it was that at the beginning. Um, and then as I started to talk to her more about it, it was a little bit opening up about um, Rosella had lost her dad at the time. Um, and she was also starting new school. There was a lot of changes at the time. Um, so it was just a matter of making sure that she was okay and that she was transitioning okay um, with new friends, with new school, new environment. Um, so it was more of that, just making sure that she was she adjusted well. I'm Callie Crossley, and you're listening to an encore edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Earlier this year, I spoke with Mark O'Donnell, president and CEO of Big Sisters Big Brothers of Eastern Massachusetts. Karen Rodriguez, big sister volunteer mentor for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts. And Rosella Moreta, Karen's 10-year-old little sister. We talked about the important role mentoring can play in the social development of kids. The need is great, Mark, um, for there to be uh, bigs who do speak Spanish. Um, talk about that and why you have a specific recruiting drive now going on trying to find some bigs who fit the bill. Absolutely. And I think uh, Karen and Rosella are a perfect example of not every mentor 
or, or, or no mentor could be everything to all kids. Uh, but one of the main, uh, main sets of important tools is communication. And communication isn't just between the big and the little, it's between the big and, and, and the, the guardian, and it's between the, the guardian and the staff. So just like we have to make sure that we have all the language capabilities on staff, we have to make sure that we have bigs to match our, our littles. And so our little right now, if you look at our wait list, there's two real big uh, you know, pieces that we have to work on. One is male identifying bigs. There's always more boys waiting. Women actually sign up to be bigs four times to every one man. And so we're constantly out there reminding everyone that those boys are waiting. And the second is language capability. And communication is key to a relationship. And just like we don't want to pair someone who likes sports with someone who likes art, we mm -hmm. want to make sure that we do our best uh, to bring the right match together. And communication is key. So Spanish especially is uh, we have about 200 uh, littles that are asking for and families who don't whose English is not their first language or don't speak English at all. And so we want to make sure we can get to those littles and that they don't have to wait for a big too long because we don't have the bigs. Mm. Now, Rosella, you speak both Spanish and English, but how fun is it to speak Spanish with Karen? It's sometimes fun because I speak it with my mom every day because she's from Dominican Republic and she speaks Spanish, but she knows some English. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, it's nice that you can go back and forth with your mom and then speak, um, go back and forth with Karen too, because Karen is bilingual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now, Karen, I understand that um, mom cooked up some a favorite dish and the two of you really bonded over that because you knew about it and she knew about it and everybody knew about it. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think there's just like something to be said about what doesn't need to be said or explained, right? I think it's just that that common framework or commonality um, that we have. So with, I'm Colombian, um, so I don't, I in my culture, we don't really eat arroz con gandules, right? But in, in Dominican Republic, they do. And I grew up in Boston and there's a big community of um, people from Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. Um, and that's a big deal. And I love arroz con gandules. I grew up with that because <laughs> I was around this community. Um, and it's just something that, you know, I can be like, oh, Rosela, did you eat lunch today? And what did you eat? You know, very simple question. And she could be like, oh, yeah, I ate arroz con gandules. And then we kind of start evolving into that Spanish speaking, Spanglish, because um, that's what comes natural that it's in that context. So mm -hmm. It's it's nice, and she doesn't have to explain to me like, oh, what's arroz con gandules, and go into that, right? It's just that's that's who we are, and that's what we eat, and that's our our daily day, you know, routine. Well, I can explain that it's, it's rice with pigeon peas, and I didn't know about it. <laughs> I didn't know about it until I got to uh, live in New England, and boy, do I like it a lot. And I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, <laughs> just to say. <laughs> um, let's go back to the male mentors and the need for them. Um, I want, to, uh, want everybody to take a listen to these four male mentors talking about why they chose to become mentors and the value that it brings to their lives. I mentor because it gives back 10 times what you put into it. I mentor because I've been so fortunate in my life that I want to be able to give back to other young men as well. I mentor because I had a lot of amazing, fabulous mentors myself. 
my favorite part of my experience has been Aaron and I growing up together. Hey, does it help, Mark, to, for those guys' uh, voices to be out there so that other men um, can hear it? And I wonder if there's some hesitancy on the part of men that it will require more of them than they think they can give. You know, it's funny. It's it's no different than what I think a lot of uh, wives or girlfriends will say about when they first met their their boyfriends or husbands. There's there is inherent commitment issues, and we've done research on this uh, for men to think uh, that this is too much of a commitment. And we the research showed that men actually think longer about doing it, and they want to do it. And there's just a little bit more of a, kind of a salesmanship on our side, or or just. Uh, us being a little more empathetic to how, how they're feeling to bring them in the door. But the good news is once they're actually bigs, they're equally as committed. The outcomes are equally the same. So it's really on that front end that it, there's more of a psychological barrier that, and I think everyone who's out there and the more we could do to be welcoming to all volunteers to make sure that this is an inclusive and welcoming place for everyone to be able to, to help a child. And so I think we have to get that voice out there. So those voices absolutely do help. So what would you like to see um, happen in the next year or so as you're coming back from the impact of COVID, reaching out to more male mentors, and certainly uh, making a larger recruitment among um, big and littles who can speak Spanish? Yep, I would say, and this goes for our, our, uh, our female uh, identifying volunteers as well, there's still a long list of girls signing up, so I don't want to exclude them. So at the end of the day, the scary news is this the results of the pandemic, the impact is going to last a, a long time. And since even this school year in September, the, the months since, so September, October, November, December, were the largest months in our 74-year history of youth signing up for our program or being signed up by their guardian. And so that is on itself is a scary thought that we've never had this many kids asking for a big. And so what I ask for, for this month and this year is no, it's everyone heard about learning loss and mental health and the need for kids to play catch up and isolation. If you're thinking about volunteering, don't think you have to make the commitment, just call. Call a big brother, big sister organization, uh, call us and say, what does this entail? And we have many programs that fit your schedule. We have after school programs we uh, called Mentor 2.0. We have uh, school-based programs at Boston College and many universities. And then we have our traditional program on Saturday. So if you're thinking about doing it, you want to help, just, just give us a call or go to our website, emasbigs.org, and just start the conversation of how can I be a mentor. Rosella, what are you looking forward to in the next year or two? What I'm looking forward to is to have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Would well, you think you might grow up and be a big? Soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. We'll be looking for you. <laughs> hey, I want to thank all of you for joining me for this conversation. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Thank you so much for having us. It's it's honor. It's an honor, honestly. It's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I was joined by Mark O'Donnell, the president and CEO of Big Sisters Big Brothers of Eastern Massachusetts. Karen Rodriguez, Big Sister Volunteer Mentor for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts, and Rosella Moreta, Karen's 10-year-old little sister mentee. 
That's it for this week's Encore edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and Wes Martin, with help from Angela Yang, and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.